Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And what moves do the Lightning need to make to get to the Stanley Cup final and win it? And are the Rays really trying to win? You know, ESPN has their predictions for every team in the NFL this season, and Bucks fans aren't going to like it. My defense of Gerald McCoy. You won't want to miss that. All that and more on this mailbag edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, before we get started on this podcast, I want to tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this podcast, you get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com slash sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sportsday for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. All right, so we got lots to talk about. Uh, Steve, we got some questions from the mailbag. Uh, I'm going to get into the one about Gerald McCoy a little bit, get on my rant there. I've been going back and forth on Twitter with a lot of folks on that. And then also we'll get to ESPN's uh, prediction for uh, the Buccaneers and see if uh, if anybody agrees with it. Probably not Jason Light, I can tell you that. All right, Rick, our first question comes from Trey. He says, I honestly feel we have more talent than we've had in almost 15 years, referring to the Bucks. So I think people are sleeping on the Bucks. Yes, the division is tough, but I think there's, they have a very good chance to win a lot of games. Do you agree? Um, yeah, they have a chance. Uh, <laughs> it's like, so you're saying we have a chance is like Jim Carrey in that movie. Um, but I think so much of it, and we'll get into this a little bit more, uh, on this podcast, but I think a lot of it, in fact, if not maybe the whole season depends on just what happens with Jameis Winston. Um, look, they're in the, they're in a very tough division in the NFC South. The Saints won the division last year, but the, you know what? They beat the Saints in the last day of the season and the Saints were trying to win that game. Um, so there's really no one in the division that they should, you know, hunker in fear of, but let's face it. All those quarterbacks right now are better than Jameis Winston. Um, I think their team has gotten better on defense, but a lot has to come together in a short time. And again, no one can tell us, not even Jameis and certainly not yet the NFL, just what, if any suspensions are coming forward with him. So, um, I, I can understand, you know, why people, maybe a little down on them uh, and, and just the fact that they've been last for so many years. But, yeah, you can get – I mean, we've seen, you know, the Bucks have managed to to go against the, the trend. I mean, five, four or five different teams make the playoffs every year. Somehow Tampa Bay has managed not to be one of them for 10 years. Okay, so you mentioned the uh, in the open the ESPN prediction. Yeah. So what does ESPN say the Bucks are going to do this year? Well, they're saying that they have a uh, the under over on wins is six and a half. <laughs> not that's not good, um, and maybe worse than that, they give them only a a ten percent chance then of making the postseason, and that ranks uh, just ahead of the Cleveland Browns and the Arizona Cardinals. Those are the only two teams that have a a less percentage of chance to make the postseason. So they are not big buck believers. Um, they think they're going to finish last in the NFC South. 
and that's sort of where they've been. So, you know, I mean, that's not certainly, I mean, predictions are, are worth the, you know, the paper they're written on, but if you're Dirk Cutter and Jason Light, that's, that's not where you want to be considered. Now, you know, a year ago, let's flip it around and say, um, I don't know that the under over was much higher. I think it was around probably like seven or eight, somewhere in there. But boy, there was a lot of hype about this football team. You know, the hard knocks and, um, you know, they were the big it favorite and pick in the NFC South, if not to win the NFC. I mean, it was kind of ridiculous when you look back on it now. Uh, but at the time, everybody hyped them, and those predictions turned out to be absolutely, you know, just the opposite. So, um, but that's that's where ESPN has them, and um, you know, I again, I think I think they're they're sort of weighing in there. I would imagine not just the division, but also the the great unknown about you know Jameis Winston. So let's say that let's just say seven wins for to round up from six and a half. So let's say they go okay. seven and nine. Is Jason okay. Light and Dirk Cutter back? Probably not, although I, I would argue that it would depend on how you get there. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, let's say let's say you're seven and four and leading the division and your quarterback gets hurt and he's out for the year. Um, and you play a couple close games, you know, but you don't win any and, and it kind of I mean the wheels fall off. I don't think seven wins is gonna do it. I don't I don't really paint any scenario where necessarily seven wins would do it, but you know, the year has to sort of play out in terms of injuries, in terms of how you got there, which seven did you win? Did you win the, the last seven? Did you win the first seven? Um, but seven seems like a bad number. Now, eight and eight, nine and seven with some factors, you know, that went against you and not and just missing the playoffs, I can paint a scenario where they would both be back. But, um, but you know, in general, I think everybody realizes that, you know, not only do they need a winning season, they probably need to make the postseason as well. All right, so John asked, and kind of piggybacks off of your comment, when do you think yep. the NFL will decide on a suspension for Jameis, if there is one or not? Well, we're into our seventh month um, coming up here, and um, you know the NFL in the past has gone, well, they've, they've, they've gone into August with Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I think there was two weeks left in the preseason when they came down with his suspension. Tom Brady, who played a whole year, um, you know, appealing his, uh, finally, uh, the suspension, I think for him was handed down even, even later than that. So I think that was in August. So I, I, look, I, I think it's going to happen sooner than later now. I think, I think, um, it feels like the Mueller investigation. I think it's wrapping up now, Bob. Uh, yeah, you but know, what is the scope of the investigation? Has he exceeded that? <laughs> yeah. We don't need I, to well, talk no, he's definitely exceeded it. They're not just talking about what they ordered at the Mexican restaurant anymore. I can tell you that. Um, but, uh, um, but yeah, it's it, it's got to be getting close. And I've said all along, I'll be consistent with this. Look, I I don't know who's innocent here or who's you know if anyone's guilty or, or if there's just a a terrible mistake of identity um, or somebody just made something up. I don't know this, and I also don't think that there's going to be any you know, hard forensic evidence. What I mean by that is like, I, I don't believe there's a videotape um, either, you know, from, from this, this alleged incident that happened in a drive-through with an Uber driver um, or, you know, something that can, you know, at a hotel that can collaborate, you know, James's version, which was there were, you know, two other guys in the car and he was in the back seat, whatever. Um, so it's going to come down to largely a he said, she said, and I've been consistent in saying, I think the problem is twofold. One, 
Um, she took contemporary com, contemporaneous notes and reported it in real time um, to her employer that somebody acted inappropriately. And, and she identified that person as Jameis, who she didn't know from Adam until that night when she says everybody told her she was driving a famous Bucks quarterback and Heisman Trophy winner. So um, also her story is that he was in the front seat. We don't get into the details of this too much of the weeds, but at the end of the day, um, you have someone who, you know, sent text messages, presumably emails to other people about this. And when, you know, Uber contacted Jameis and wanted his cooperation at the time and said, you know, we've had a report of inappropriate conduct, et cetera, he did absolutely nothing. He didn't call and say, what do you mean? Um, that's crazy. Or, you know, I want because his account was suspended. Why did you suspend my account? There was no correspondence whatsoever uh, until this became an investigation back in November. So with the broad, the other problem he has is the broad context of the personal conduct policy. You don't have to be found guilty of anything. Um, you know, I'll go back to you know, how much evidence do they really have on Tom Brady, whether he was involved in deflating footballs. He had some text messages from trainers that seemed to think he liked it a certain way. But at the end of the day, when they went to talk to him, he smashed his cell phone. So, you know, he didn't cooperate or they felt that he was more likely than not. So there's so many things that can get Jameson into hot water here. And the fact that he came to the league with sort of a, a stain on him, even though there was no guilt or prosecution of, of whatever happened at Florida State, he, there was a, a civil suit that was settled. Uh, but he met with the commissioner before he became uh, an NFL player before the draft. And uh, presumably they would have talked about these issues. So to have something happen again, I just think there's a liability here. So I, my feeling is that there will be some games missed. How many? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it would be certainly less than six and probably more than one. Um, so it could be in any of those numbers. All right, before we get to Gerald McCoy – First, Mark had a question. Where are the Bucks with the signing of Ronald Jones? Ronald Jones. Why isn't Ronald Jones signed? Um, you know, it's going to happen. None of these rookies will go unsigned before training camp, clearly. Probably sooner than later. Uh, he is the only draft pick that's not signed for the Bucks, and these guys are slotted with what's kind of a rookie salary pool, um, and it's so much percentage over the same spot a year ago. From what I understand, it's way too technical for me to explain or for someone to explain it to me, but there is some language in other comparable contracts, um, and I think that uh, they're waiting for those to be worked through to see what they can get away with, essentially, in theirs. Um, but my understanding is it'll be done fairly soon, so I wouldn't get too hung up on that. It's nothing they have to worry about. It. Um, he's at every OTA, and uh, he will definitely be signed before training camp, if not really soon. All right, well, Ellis asked, and you've been going back and forth on Twitter a lot about Gerald McCoy. Oh, God. So Ellis yes. asked... What more could Gerald McCoy have done to make the Bucks more successful in the last 10 years? More importantly, how much of their success, or lack thereof, is solely on him? I'm glad you asked this question, and I have been going back and forth with people, and I, don't, I, have, I will, will never quite figure out, although I have my theories, I'll never figure out why Gerald McCoy is such a target, uh, other than the fact that you know he was a third overall pick, he has made a lot of money, and I emphasize the fact that he's made a lot of money because I think that's where this whole thing started, which was jealousy um, from from some people that had a platform. And I I think that you know 
it's guilt by association. I mean, he's the one constant, right? How many players have been here since 2010? Well, not very many. There's Gerald. There's DeMar Dotson. Uh, I might be done. I'm sure there's probably one other guy maybe that I'm leaving out at this point. But there's there's not been somebody who's had to suffer through nine of these ten losing, you know, not losing seasons, but seasons that ended without a playoff, and there's only been two winning seasons during that stretch. So naturally, by association, you know, he gets it. Now, what's weird about it is that by every other measurement that you can have in football, okay, um, in terms of, I don't know, six straight Pro Bowls, um, number of sacks at the defensive tackle, I think he's in the top two or three of those, um, certainly certainly since 2010. I mean, I believe he has more than Dominican Sue, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, Aaron Donald's in there somewhere too, although he was drafted much later. So, you know, every, everything you want to measure would tell you, including, and I don't know why people discount this, but, you know, every week we talk to the opposing coach, and I don't think they're just saying stuff to say it because I've, I've asked other coaches about players and they didn't have three words of, of, of something nice to say about somebody. Universally, when you ask about Gerald McCoy to another head coach, they will tell you he's a problem. He's a problem that they have to account for they have to, you know, double team him most times, et cetera. So the guy's been a force in this league. And because the team doesn't win, um, people harp on two things. One, he's not, uh, he's not sap, okay? That's the biggest problem I think Gerald has is that from every demeanor, every body type, every way you can think of, he is, he is not Warren Sapp, except that he's a hell of a player. And, you know, he's now played as long as Sapp played in Tampa Bay after this year. Sapp played here nine years. This is his ninth season. I think Sapp went to seven Pro Bowls. I think he went to six so far. And, and, and he still has another year to go as far as his Bucks career goes to match Sapp's. But he's not Warren Sapp. He's not bombastic. He's not a big talker. Uh, he's a nice guy. He picks guys up off piles, you know, um, we still come to him, you know. And the, the other thing is that when, you know, when Gerald McCoy got here, he didn't have any veteran defensive linemen to show him the ropes that were any damn good. I don't understand how, how one guy gets blamed for the failures of a franchise. And, and let me emphasize, this is a franchise failure, okay? This team, this franchise has not been in the playoffs in 10 years, okay? It starts with ownership and whittles down from the head coach on down. Gerald McCoy has played for four head coaches. He's had 13 different defensive line coaches. Think about that. 13 guys, all with different ideas about how you should do your job. If you had 13 bosses in, in nine years, I know what I would be doing. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be working there anymore. I'd beg to, to go someplace else. And so, you know, and then there's been probably 50-something players that he's played with on the defensive line. And, oh, by the way, where's all those Pro Bowls? Where's all those defensive ends? You know there hasn't been a, a player on this football team that's had 10 sacks since Simeon Rice, and he's 43 years old. I mean, you know, that was in 05, and it was five years later before Gerald McCoy showed up. So where are all the guys other than Michael Bennett, who had nine one year, and they, they had a really good year that year, by the way, as a defense in terms of sacking the quarterback. Well, Mark Dominic let him walk to Seattle for $5 million in one-year contract. So hasn't played well, hasn't played with very many good players. At the time, they were good players. I mean, you know, guys have had their 
their success other places. Robert Ayers, I think, had 12 sacks one year. He didn't do it here. Um, you know, the, so Michael Johnson from Cincinnati didn't do it here. And I don't think Gerald's making them worse players. While he continues to lead the team in sacks damn near every year at a position where those guys don't typically lead the team in sacks. So, look, I'm tired of the people trying to hate on Gerald McCoy. It's a worn-out thing. Um, you know, he's not a leader. Well, what the hell's a leader? You know, uh, because he's not sap-like, because he didn't get in guys' faces. And by the way, how the hell do we know what he does in the locker room or in meeting rooms or off the field or at dinner, okay? Um, you know, Tony Dungy wasn't a yeller or screamer. Last time I checked, he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know, do you have to get in guys' faces and, you know, be be like everybody's got to be like Quan Alexander? You know, and Quan Alexander – I think he's a very, very good player, and he made a Pro Bowl last year that people didn't think maybe he deserved or it wasn't his best year. But you know what? I don't think he's the best player on their defense. And just because you say you're the leader doesn't make you one. Uh, I'm just tired of the whole argument, and I, I just I don't understand why people continue to harp on a guy that in addition to being not just a good player but a very good player. Hell, if he played another six years or so, and I don't think he will, but if he did and he averaged six or seven sacks a year, the guy would have, like, Hall of Fame numbers. As it is, he's going to be in the ring of honor, okay? He's going to ha- he's gonna be an all-decade player, I believe, before his career is finished. And so, you know, it, it, it's a team sport, okay? It's one player. And if one player can make a difference, that player would be a quarterback. And maybe a quarterback drafted number one overall. And you know what? Maybe he will make a difference. Maybe he'll take this team to a couple, three or four or five Super Bowls. But I know this, as we sit here today, that one quarterback has won 18 games. Okay? 18 games. So, you know, that's, that's not going to get it done. And everybody doesn't seem to point the finger at him. You know, but they pointed at Gerald McCoy. So, there you go, folks. That's my rant in a nutshell. It's about 21,000. Twitter feeds that have been combined to give you my 10 minutes on Gerald McCoy. I'm just sick of it. Bring a better argument to me if you have one. All right, well, now we'll go to the Rays, who, as we speak, are tied 0-0 in the bottom of the second out in Oakland, which is why we're not talking about them. We're not staying up to, <laughs> till the end of the game to broadcast. Oh, tonight. I'm staying up. But well, I'm we'll watch it, pod- but, but we're not, we're not, not doing the, the podcast, podcast afterwards. So, That's right. So Les asks, can't decide if I should be excited about getting to 500 after the Colomay span trade. Can you convince me they're trying to win with everyone they've traded since last year? Young players are fun to watch, but nothing beats winning baseball. Well, yeah, I can convince you, maybe. Um, I would say this, that all those players they traded last year, you know what their record was after 52 games a year ago? 26 and 26. (laughs) So, you know, nothing has changed, right? Um, You got rid of all these guys that were, you know, the big bashers and the people they couldn't do without, and you must not be trying to win. Well, they're exactly where they were a year ago, the same damn record. In fact, and I would argue that this team has way more upside, um, only because there's some guys in Durham that you're going to see in June um, that are going to really, you know, help change the fortunes of this team, not just this year, because let's face it, they're not going to catch the Yankees or the Red Sox, but they are fighting, at least for now, um, maybe for that second wild card. And if they hover around 500 at all for an extended period of time, they're going to have a, a look at it. Now, I don't know if they're going to fall off. They could. Um, and I don't know what these kids are going to do once they get to the big leagues and they're trying to play every day. But I do say that, that you know, yes, they're trying to win. Is it about 
Is it about winning this year? Do they think they're going to win a pennant? I don't think anybody with the Rays organization, if you gave them you know, truth serum, would tell you, no, I think we can run down the Yankees and the Red Sox this year and win the AL East. I just don't think that's possible for them. But what they're trying to do is build a team that will be able to do that. And what I like about the, the sort of the path that they've chosen um, is that, you know, we, we, we were among the top teams in home runs a year ago. didn't get us anything. We're going to have guys that are going back to our DNA, which is pitching and defense, and now we're going to have guys that can hopefully make contact. And if you look at that order, even with, even with all the guys that have gone not only left in the offseason but on the DL, I mean, they've had, you know, tons of guys, Carlos Gomez and Matt Duffy and, um, you know, uh, their catch. I mean, all these you – know, Kevin Kiermeyer is still out. Um, all these guys go on the DL. And yet – they continue to to be tough outs and battle uh, one through nine in the order and 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 turn the order over and that's that's why they managed to score enough runs. They, but they're going to play a lot of close games like the other day. I mean, thirteen innings, a one to nothing game in Oakland, which is really hard to do on the road. So I think they are trying to win, and I think they want to win this year. But I think they're trying to get to a place where they can win every year. And they were never going to do that. They were always going to be, you know, ripping up the team, bringing in free agents, um, trading their way their better prospects if they had any. And, and that's just not – that's a tough way to make a living in Major League Baseball. So, yes, they're following the template of maybe the Cleveland Indians or the Houston Astros or some of these teams that have torn it up. And um, I, I, I don't think that Colme was trending up. I think he was trending down. I think they didn't expect to trade him at this time in the year. I think they thought they expected he would be traded – before the year. The same is true with Denard Span. He was a toss-in with the Evan Longoria trade, made $9 million. Didn't make sense for a guy at his age. He was a good story, a feel-good story, a guy that was tied for the team league in RBIs. Not a great um, outfielder at this point in his career, but a good clubhouse guy. And yet, he's a 260 hitter, okay, this season. So, they have people that can do what he was doing. And, um, you know, so trading those two guys that weren't even supposed to be here when the season started – Eh, I don't think it's a sign that you're throwing in the towel by any means. And, in fact, they've actually won more games since those guys left. All right, well, you mentioned a player during your, uh, your answer to that question there. So, rooting for UF asks, will the Rays be better or worse when Kevin Kiermaier returns? Um, I think they'll be better. I think it's hard to imagine they would be worse, although I, I appreciate the question. I think, you know, there is a part of Kiermaier's game which sometimes can – can stop what they're trying to do, which is keep the conga line moving. Okay. Yeah. If he, when and, he's trying to launch. Yeah. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That's going to hurt this team. I agree. If he comes back and and use, utilizes his speed and put the ball mm -hmm. in play and run it out, he will absolutely help this team because defensively he's going to be better. And that's what I was going to go to. I, where I was going to go is it, it's undeniable if you have a team built on pitching and defense that if you put him in center field, he's going to prevent enough runs to help you win. If he does nothing at the plate, okay, he's, his outfield skills alone uh, will probably win you some games. But I would agree with you that 
the way he approaches every at bat is not necessarily what they're doing right now. And although, I mean, look, Kiermaier has power. He can absolutely turn on balls. We've seen him hit balls 400 something feet. So he's a big, strong. He's a strong guy. Um, there's a happy medium there. He what he has to do is learn uh, when, when to turn it loose and try to drive a ball. What's the game situation? What's the pitch? Am I ahead in the count? Do I get something I can do that with? But you can't go up there every pitch and be trying to yoke it and, and, and pull everything to right field. You know, he does need to have more of an up-the-middle approach or the other-way approach and, and utilize his speed and do what he can do to help this team win. I don't think hitting home runs is what they need from Kevin Kiermaier. Now, if it happens, great. But at the end of the day, you know, there's no one on this team that's going to hit a ton of home runs. So why, why are they looking at it from his standpoint? So, But overall, yeah, I think he helps them when he comes back. All right, Steven asks, I'm really surprised the Rays have played as well as they have given all the moves. But on an unrelated note, I'm not confident about a stadium deal and worried the team could move out of the area. What are, what are the chances they stay or go, in your opinion? Uh, 28%. Does that stay <laughs> or go? No. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you just said, what are the chances? Um, look, you could make an argument that this is going to be a really tough way, a tough thing for them to get a stadium here. Um, in Hillsborough County, in Tampa. Um, but the, the – look, I think, I think Major League Baseball wants them here. I think the surprising thing to me, Steve, that – and you probably know more about this than I do, but, you know, when you look at the amount of money that this TV contract um, mm-hmm. will net them and why, like why would somebody pay that kind of money to the Rays um, to be in this market? Well – well, because here's, it's a, yeah, here's it's the a deal. Market. Right. Here's the deal that people don't talk about. And there's probably several reasons for it. We could get into that if you'd like. But this is the number 12th biggest television market in America. And it's growing. 12. It's growing. It's not getting smaller. Florida has an influx of people. They're not leaving here. So if oh, it's I the 12th biggest television market. In, yeah. If you add mm-hmm. Orlando in the mix, which the Rays do extremely well in the ratings there for not having it, you know, for being an hour plus away. Right. It's a top 10 market. Wow. And that's growing. Do you think baseball mm. wants to leave a top 10 television market? No, I don't. I now, don't. And that, if they don't get a, a deal that can work, they might leave. But they're going right. to do everything they can to stay, in my opinion. Because you I don't leave right. a top 10 market that's growing. This isn't Detroit that's on the decline in market size. This isn't other big markets. This is a growing market. Right. Sure. Some of the businesses aren't the same as, as some of the northern markets that have, you know, tons of Fortune 500 companies in that. But that's so, changing. So, so the, the business model is a little different here than other places. It doesn't mean it can't work. doesn't mean it doesn't work. But mm-hmm. And the Times had a piece just this week on the amount of people that all of a sudden within 10 miles of the stadium at Ebor, and it becomes something like 900,000 people, where you can't get 600,000 within a half an hour of the drop. That's right. That's and, right. And and furthermore, their individual season ticket sales aren't bad at the race. It's the business sales they don't have because yeah, the businesses backwards. are not in St. Pete. The businesses are in West Shore. They're in downtown Tampa. Mm-hmm. The businesses that are close enough to buy blocks of tickets, suites, group sales, uh, season tickets, et cetera. That's what baseball thrives on. For an individual to buy 81 games a year is a, is a big investment of time and, and, and money. It's easier, yeah, I mean, to sell, I don't know. it's easier to sell businesses who are giving those tickets away to clients or 
Okay, mm-hmm. today I'm taking some clients, tomorrow you are in this, where you're not going to all 81 games. It's a big investment for an individual. Baseball thrives on – football is 10 games a year, eight if, yeah. you, you know, if you want to count just the regular season games. You can make that investment and go. You know, hockey is pushing it a little bit with 40. But, but you know, so I mean, when you start getting into more than football well, games, because business, <laughs> businesses are the key to buying those tickets. Hockey, the hockey, the people just sell to the to the well, Detroit fans yeah. and the Canadian fans. But I mean, but it's, it's the, the business season. sales, the business sales of first. No, you're right. I mean, I I've heard this stat. I don't know if it's true, but it's like around sixty to sixty five percent of the tickets are usually bought by corporations, and the remaining thirty or thirty five percent by individuals. And here, it's just the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's not that's not a sustainable model. Um, and so that's that's really what you're talking about, where they need they need the corporate support. Um, it needs to become the thing to do when you're downtown. A lot of those corporations are in and around the downtown or the West Shore area. You can get to the stadium pretty quick for a night game. Um, all those things make sense. And the I other they, the other part about the TV market is the Rays are always in the top half of baseball in television ratings. They do very well. Yeah. They're extremely. They have a loyal fan base here that watches every game, more so than Miami. Miami's television ratings are a lot less, and they're a comparable mm-hmm. size television market. Right in Tampa Bay. The Rays have a much bigger foothold, and I can't imagine baseball leaving here unless they just absolutely can't get anything done. If they can't get it done, they can't get it done. Look, I saw this happen with a football team, and you know, you know, when you get your best deal, when they're when they're just about to move, when you get to the last the last day, you know, and and then the community or or people decide, you know, whoever they are uh, to uh, you know to pony up because they don't want to lose the team, and and things get done. So. I think it probably gets done. I mean, they have they have a group formed over there. Was it a twenty twenty group or whatever? Yeah, the race twenty twenty. Uh, that's uh, you know uh, trying to uh, to rally support corporately for this for this baseball team and for this stadium effort. It's going to take a a public private uh, sort of you know cooperation to build something as expensive as this. It's not like the old days where you just say ah we'll just pass a tax. You know, there's. <laughs> I don't have to tell you, you know, school teachers need money. They don't have mm-hmm. enough buses, uh, all those things. So um, it's it's very unrealistic to think that you're going to, you know, just corporately build like Ray- there's no more Raymond James deals out there. Um, that's not going to happen. So, so maybe Mosaic. Then, well, since they're moving their headquarters from Minnesota to Tampa. Perhaps. Um, perhaps a developer that owns a lot of land in Ybor City that realizes what the property values are going to do mm-hmm. if they plop that stadium in there. That's how pa- that's how AT&T Stadium got built on a fishing pier in San Francisco, and now it's one of the best ballparks in America. So mm-hmm. those things can happen. And, and so for that reason, it's a long way of saying, I don't think they're going to leave. I can understand why it, it's really it's undecided at this point. But Well, the, re- like, the rhetoric's going to get uglier before it gets better. Oh, absolutely. Because that's all part of negotiation. And, and you'll see the team trying come- to get better things. The city's trying to get more. Baseball's trying to get more. So all right. part of the negotiations, the rhetoric will get worse. Right. But I, I believe they'll be here. And, and for many well, years, to you know, they'll have a new stadium. I don't know how it gets done, but I, I believe it will, unless there's just absolutely no will on the, the, the part of Hillsborough County to get it done. Well, and who, who knows better about the stadium game than, than the people in this area? I mean, you know, hell, uh, every, you know, the, the St. Petersburg, Tampa area and, and St. Petersburg in particular, once they built Tropicana Field, um, was responsible for building a new ballpark for the White Sox, a new ballpark for the Giants, 
a new ballpark for the Mariners. I mean, you know, they were all coming here. The Twins, um, every team in America leveraged this, you know, this thirst for baseball and and the possibility of relocating. I I went to Chicago years and years ago and and did a weekend series and talked to Ozzie Gann, who was the shortstop at the time, and Jim Fregosi was a manager about they were headed to St. Pete. And the governor moved the clock back and they passed, you know, Legislator passed the bill to, to build the, you know, what is now, um, you know, the new ballpark there for the White Sox. So, uh, you know, we're going to go through some of that strife. You're going to have cities and, t- and areas and, um, and people that will be competing hard to try to get this baseball team out of Tampa Bay. And then we'll see what really what people want to do as far as building a stadium goes. Well, and as we record this now, the Rays are up 3 nothing in the top of the third in Oakland, so. They have a shot hey, to get above five hundred if above they above five hundred and Blake's the first time since they were one and zero after one game of the season. Blake's now going for his eighth win, I believe. Yes, and we talk about the wild card. So the Rays competing for the second wild card, big series this weekend as Seattle is right now in the second wild card, and they've rattled off nine of their last ten. Yeah. Um, and, and now kinda, they have They kind of have a sizable lead Colum. over the second wild card right now. So if you could take three or two or three there and make up a little ground against them, that would be very nice. Yeah, it's exciting, man. I'm telling you, I like this baseball team all of a sudden. It's, it's, it's definitely more fun to watch in the last few years. No doubt. So We'll switch to the Lightning now, and we had two questions, basically the same thing. So I'll read Steven's question, but Brian also emailed in the same. Yeah. Or Twitter, tweeted in. Uh, assuming mm-hmm. John Cooper stays, what roster moves would you like to see the Tampa Bay Lightning make for next year that you feel would make them Stanley Cup winners? Um, Good question. And, and we had a similar one on uh, – on spectrum and uh today when i was doing the the, uh, the tv thing with tom jones um look i think they're going to need another defenseman uh, a younger one and i guess preferably a right-handed one or someone with a right-hand shot if you have them because i think strawman and uh gerardi are going to be free agents after next season well, actually strawman gerardi mcdonough and cobra yeah. they only have yeah. two so defense they only have two defensemen under contract after next season that would be headman and Sergachev. Yeah, so you're so, definitely going to have to go there. Yeah, they're going to have to remake their defensive core in the next year or two. Right. And, and you could right. resign some of them. You know, you may resign you Strong could, or sure. McDonough or, you know, uh, Coburn's probably getting up there. You're probably not going to resign him. Girardi's a little yeah. older. Strawman's getting up there now in age. McDonough's the youngest of those four. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but, over the next year, you're going to need to remake the defensive core. And, and you've got right. some young guys you're going to bring up to. Um, Cal mm-hmm. Foote, who just uh, played in the AHL or played juniors this year, came up late uh, for the playoffs for the AHL. Um, you know, he's probably another year or two away, although Sergachev made the jump really quick, so maybe he does next year. Um, you've got Eric Chernak down there, who they got in the Ben Bishop trade from the Kings. Uh, yep. He's at the AHL, and they got a few other guys down there. Um, but, you know, I think you're going to see some young guys play. Andre Schuster's a free agent. I, he will not be back as an unrestricted no. free agent. My guess is Jake Dotchin and Slater Cuckoo may get traded. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe Dodge maybe one of the fell off the map. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened there. Um, maybe he was played a little better than he actually was, you know, two years ago. Um, yeah. you know, who knows what happened there? I mean, he missed all of training camp. He was suspended, if you remember, for the preseason. And yeah, and just never really got it going in the regular season. Uh, Slater Cuckoo, I can imagine seeing traded as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know. Among the roster of those who made the playoffs, there's only one unrestricted free agent. That's Cedric Paquette. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Chris Kunitz is the only unrestricted free agent. Cedric Paquette's one of the restricted free agents. But 
Um, yeah. So I, I would say a defenseman, you're getting younger there. And then um, and along those lines, it might be one and the same, actually, is they need, they need some help on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not very good um, in the playoffs, I didn't think, at times. My my personal and I know look I, I'm going to trust Steve Eiserman and I kind of I kind of agree with Tom. It's shocking this is is what Tom wrote a columns. What? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Hold on, stop the presses. I know. We did five years. I didn't agree with anything he said, but I, I do kind of agree with him that um, this is not a this is not a wholesale. You know, you, you don't have to rip this thing up. You don't have to fire the coach necessarily. At least not this year. Um, and you you know you've got a nice core you just have to you know there's always change i mean you just mentioned the guys that are going to be likely out of here for a lot of different reasons but um you know they they they're on the right track and the minor leagues have more more prospects coming up and this is not an overhaul um it's a reload not a rebuild so i think a lot of the moves you're going to see is clearing room for younger guys to get to get, so to get up time. here yeah. yeah if you right. trade a tyler johnson this offseason which his no trade right. clause does not kick in till July one when his new contract kicks in. So you could trade mm-hmm. him before now, and uh, and not that you don't want Tyler Johnson, but you have a lot of Tyler Johnsons in your system or you players sure that play like him. Now whether they're as good, well, that's yet to be determined. You got uh, Braden Points is good. Well, sure, but I'm saying the younger guys that aren't on the team yet. You know, whether right? That aren't here. Yeah. You know, is Tony Sorelli that good? Is Mitchell Stevens? Is you right? Know, there's other guys coming up. You know, whether they'll end up being as good as Tyler Johnson. Time will tell, but they're in right. the same type of mold, same type of player. So Tyler Johnson's maybe one that gets traded. I don't think they mm-hmm. resign Chris Kunitz. Um, you right. may see, you know, Cedric Paquette's restricted free agent. You may see some of those bottom line guys moved out so that more of the younger guys can start coming up. Syracuse, who had a really good year this year, very young team, but really good year, yeah. and those players developed a lot. So, yeah, I, I agree. It's not going to be a retooling, or you know, you're not, you're not. It's not a rebuild, but no, it's a re- reload. Um, I, I still think, though, for my preference, my personal preference, and I don't know anything about hockey, I'd, I'd like to see him get bigger. They got a mm-hmm. lot of guys that look like Tyler Johnson to me. Yep. You know, they, and I and I thought that I know Washington is, you know, obviously Ovechkin's big and he's a beast, and um, you know they had a lot of guys, but um, it didn't seem to me like they were getting even close to the net after the first shot. Um, it, it seemed like they got pushed around pretty good the last few games. And I know it's not really their game anyway, but you know what? In in playoff hockey, you need a little bit of that muscle. I mean, they got JT Miller at the end of the year, and I think that helped them. Um, but they need somebody that can stand there and hold their ground in front of the net. And I I would not mind if if you know you just don't hire somebody because he's big. He's got to have some skill. But I would not mind seeing fewer guys that look like Tyler Johnson. Well, I think one other thing you're going to look for is, uh, you know, you may add a veteran that can help on the, you know, maybe a little more size, a little on the penalty kill, but faceoffs. And they did better in the yes. playoffs on faceoffs, but in the regular season they, they were they were pretty bad in the regular season on faceoffs. And I think, right, I you know, I think you know it, when we said at the trade deadline, what we'd like is a defenseman, and then you wanted a third or fourth line, you know, center or winger that could take faceoffs and play the penalty kill. Those were the the needs we said at you know come the trade deadline is what they were looking for. They got the defenseman and Ryan McDonough. They traded Nemestikov and got JT Miller back, which added some more size in that. But I still think they need mm-hmm. help on faceoffs. You know, they also need. And I'll, I'll leave it at this. With this question is, they need Steven Stamkos to be Steven Stamkos again. And what I mean by that is, you know, and he had some look. He had some big goals throughout the playoffs, but. What was it? Twelve goals, twelve uh, full strength goals this season. Twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's not <laughs> a lot of goals. 
and and then you know Kucherov, those he has to show up a little bit more too when they get deep in the playoffs. And but but I mean it's you know if you're going to tell me Stamkos is your superstar and he's sort of the Ovechkin, if you will, of your team, then he's got to play like it. And well, what we don't know about not. Stamkos is how his knee was all year. Now he was healthy enough well, to play. That's all part of the equation. Part of, but you know, other players who suffered that same injury of him says it took a full year after they came back for them to feel. Sure. Really good. So you hope that by next season, that knee's even better. You know, granted, he got off to a good start last year, but most of those were power play goals. Personally, I'd like to see the coaches separate Kucherov and Stamkos. I think they look for each other too much. And I think I'd rather have snipers on two different lines of those Mm -hmm. in that caliber than putting them together. Yeah, on the power play, you want to put them together, fine. Five but on five, that might help them. Might help five them both. on five. I'd like to see them separate. And they had some. They had some good runs together. When they, to open the season with Vladimir Mestikov, they were doing really well. When JT Miller mm-hmm. came, that line did really well. But overall, I'd like to see them separated personally. Yeah, they just I mean they need more out of those guys. Period. I mean, especially in the postseason. I mean, it, it just it, it has to happen. So those are great questions, and I, I hope uh, we kind of went long tonight. But I hope you enjoyed the answers, and and uh, and perhaps <laughs> maybe you. Agree or disagree with some of the responses, especially with regards to Joe McCoy. But I got something off my chest, which was great. Um, we're going to have a, a great week of uh, news for you guys and, and sports to talk about, obviously. Tomorrow, Nathan Avaldi returns as a Rays third starter, the it's, one that they need. You can stay up and watch him in Oakland. Yeah, you can. They, they, were, they play there. And then the, I guess on Thursday they've announced that Ryan Stanek's going to start for them in one of their – Quintessential bullpen days, um, so that'll be. How many innings for the save well. on Thursday? Will it be six, six and a third, seven, five and a five and a third? I think what they say was the longest since like 2012 since, or something like uh, that. 2002, two, Jesus. Yeah, walking Austin Pruitt. Yeah. See, every time I go cover the Rays on Sunday, I see something unique that I've never seen before. That's what they say about going to the ballpark. You're going to see something you never saw before, and boom, there mm-hmm. I saw it. Uh, save for five and a third innings for God's sakes. The NBA Finals, we, the, those are set now. The LeBron Jameses against the uh, – Tomorrow on the podcast table. we'll debate who's better, Michael or LeBron. You know what? I could do that, and we did do that <laughs> um, way, way too many times on the show uh, that we, with Tom. And, and Tom, always took, Tom always took LeBron, I believe, and I think I took Michael Jordan, and or maybe it was the other way around. But I would say, I would say at this point, I got a lot of reasons to think that LeBron might. might I'm probably partial to Michael because growing up watching him and, and oh, me too. You know that, me but too. Michael never had a team as weak as this one make the finals. Yes, I mean he had Hall of Famers, Hall of Fame guys with him. Yeah, you know, I mean when LeBron had that, D Wade, right? And what they do? Yeah, they won a championship. And can't we just appreciate with, both because they're both phenomenal? I think we can. I mean they're totally different players in in many sense, but. Um, but you know, and also fourth straight year, Cavs and and the Warriors is this good for the NBA? It's boring. I don't to know. Me. I mean, granted, look, LeBron's the best player in the world. The Warriors are the best team. It's the matchup. I mean, it should be, but yeah, I'm I'm ready for someone else. I don't need. I think a lot of people are, and 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 I I think if LeBron pulled this off, he'd be in a different class altogether. It's amazing he made it even to the uh, NBA Finals again. Going to have Stanley Cup uh, Final Game 2, Las Vegas. Boy, I tell you, it's really hard to score against those Capitals, man. You got to hand it to the Lightning. They went two whole games without a goal. Two and a half. And Yeah, two and a half games without a goal against the Caps. All Las Vegas did was put in five and then an empty netter. Six goals against Braden Holy. Thanks for showing up out there in Las Vegas. What did the guy do, go gambling all night? Jeez. They got the, they got the best home ice advantage in hockey. 
Yeah, they do. And the best pregame show as well. Yes. That's what a phenomenal. spectacle, that man. That's phenomenal. <laughs> the Michael Buffer out there. You got the uh, Circus de Olay. <laughs> just wondering what just they like, saved for game two. We'll have to wait and see what they saved. Well, yeah. I mean, imagine what the acts that they turn down every week, you know? Um, there's they, plenty they to have choose mentioned from that they've there. got tons of acts they've had to turn down. I mean, I, I can't wait to see. I hope it goes to game seven because I just want to see what they would pull out for that. Yeah. Who cares? What's you don't why? have to watch the game. Just watch the pregame for game seven. That was so what's Washington going to do to rival that? They're going to trot out like Alex Smith to drop the puck <laughs> or something. Like, what are, they, what are you going to do? They don't even have anybody. They'll bring out the Donald. The do- yeah, well, <laughs> that, that would definitely make hockey great again. Um, so yeah, but anyway, lots going on this week. We're glad you're here. We're glad you found us. Uh, we're here Monday through Friday and we love your feedback. We love the questions that you guys were able to communicate with us. If you want to get in touch with us, have your comments, let us know what sort of shows you like, what you don't like. Um, we welcome all kinds of, uh, of feedback. You can reach us on Twitter at sports day TV on, uh, Twitter at sports day TV or reach me at NFL Stroud on Twitter, and my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Love for you to rate and review this podcast, Steve. Where can they do that? Anywhere you get podcasts, whether it's iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. You can subscribe there so the podcast is downloaded to your mobile device every day, but you can also like it there and leave comments or go to tampabay.com slash sports. The latest episode's there. You can leave comments as well. I'm going to go write my Gerald McCoy fan club letters as the president, I suppose, (laughs) but... That's the way it goes. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. For Steve Burstink, have a great night, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.